I can be qualified and die. I can be rich and die. I can be, I know it happens. Like it's not an idea. So I think what it did for me in business per se, is it removed an element of fear in the concept that I'll be honest, I always felt because I dealt with death so early that I die very young. So I always worked as if I was gonna die. So I thought, let me do whatever it is I'm gonna do. So I was more fearless. Hello and welcome back to Daddy Issues podcast with me and Harrod George Carey. Daddy Issues is a podcast exploring fatherlessness, but more specifically, fatherlessness in successful people. I want this podcast to prove that regardless of whatever daddy issues you think you have, you can achieve anything you put your mind to. Fatherlessness affects so very many of us, so it's time to start listening to each other's stories and opening up this conversation as one that needs to be recognised, heard and confronted. If you like what you hear, please do feel free to rate, review and subscribe because I love hearing all your feedback, but more importantly, it gets to more ears and the more ears, the merrier. So thank you so much. I'm going to let you get on with the episode now and I hope you have a wonderful listen. Because of quarantine, I'm going to be mixing my post and pre-quarantine interviews up as I think it's really important for you to hear voices from those who are also in quarantine as it feels like that would be more relevant to how you're experiencing life at this present time. I think it's safe to say that we all have a slightly deeper level of introspection. In today's episode, I am speaking to Leonard Sekionda. Leonard is an author, a life coach, and an entrepreneur. At 19 years old, Leonard jumped straight into the deep end, setting up his first international business, flying to South Asia, Philippines, and recruiting nurses to the UK. Aware of the lack of support and belief available for aspiring entrepreneurs, Leonard went on to co-found tech startup My Come Up in early 2019, motivating its audience with motivational articles and My Come Up videos, which have garnered over 31 million views on YouTube. Whoa, (laughs) that's a lot. My Come Up World is a social network that matches freelancers, entrepreneurs, and creatives. It also provides work opportunities through internships. The network now boosts over 127,000 global users. Leonard's goal is to make the personal development techniques and methods that he's used throughout his journey accessible and applicable within people's day-to-day lives, which is what led him to write his autobiographical book, Become Your Own Hero Again. Leonard writes about how channeling feelings of isolation and self-doubt led him to rediscover his own confidence and ultimately become the successful entrepreneur he is today. Become Your Own Hero Again aims to show its reader how to recreate and rediscover themselves so that they can progress, succeed and get back in the driver's seat of their own journey. Ah. Leonard, welcome to Daddy Issues and thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. What an introduction. Wow. Well, I actually could have gone on way more because there was so much more because I, I loved your, your story. The story on your website is actually sort of better than even that because I love that human, the human sort of side of how you got to do all those things because that's just the kind of like outcome of it and not the in-between bit which I think makes you so relatable and also probably why people can relate to your book because you haven't just had successes I don't believe in the word failure but you've had things that people would perceive 
as failure you know like dropping out of college right and all that kind of stuff yeah and it sounds really interesting just hearing it from you because (laughs) the table the table's a bit it's really interesting hearing it from you because um it's it's like 10 years of experience kind of jotted into sentences but they kind of uh, pinpoint really just points that I even forget that have happened. Over yeah. The years, oh know? my God, I even bet. YouTube views and. Yeah. I can't believe you're just only about to turn 30 and you've done so much. Yeah. You put us all to shame. I feel like I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm about to take that. <laughs> no, sorry, let me, let me paraphrase this. I'm, I'm, I'm going into this, I'm embracing this new 30. I'm stepping yeah, into yeah. literally a week from now. So. Does that mean you're a Scorpio? Uh, Capricorn. Oh, ooh, Capricorns are, I'm a Taurus. Yes. Most compatible. See, this is why this happened. <laughs> Exactly. I think we even spoke about this on the phone. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we're here, obviously, for Daddy Issues podcast to talk about dads and everything else. Mm -hmm. So what I love to do is I love to set the scene for my listener. Mm -hmm. So take me back to your childhood, where you grew up, and your family, your family dynamics, Mm -hmm. everything like that. So um, I grew up in London. King's College Hospital, Camberwell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up in a, a, a double parent home. So my dad and my mum. My dad had two kids before me. Um, and then with my mother, um, well, he had three kids actually before me. And then my mum came and met him. And then me and my younger sister came into the world two years apart. And, th- and, then, and then later on, my mum had uh, another child and that became my youngest sister i see so, so how many of you are there hang on my mouth i need to put the, uh so uh six six that's a bit quick yeah six eh. what was that six is that six Rock i'm one of five only. so i usually can smell oh, out another six, one of five definitely yes yeah, what well, six including me oh my god amazing that came from my dad my right dad. right yeah and so you obviously went to school correct yeah so i went to i mean uh when I, I mean, I was raised in a house in Streatham. We grew up in Streatham. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lived, I mean, my mum was with my dad until around the age of around four or five, if I'm correct. So they actually separated. Um, so I'd go to my dad's every summer and my two older brothers and sister would stay with my dad. And then I went with my mum and my younger sister. Then I moved to Bermondsey, okay. like South London, yep. um, while they stayed in, in Streatham. And mm-hmm. I would just go there every summer. Okay. And, um, was that, that for the six weeks period? Sorry to interrupt. Was that difficult to be split from your siblings as well as your dad? Um, do you know what? I, I think it was, but I was always like a mummy's boy. So I think mm-hmm. I would. It was just like that's where she's going. That's where I'm gonna go. So I think I prioritized her maybe more in my head than I than I would have the ultimate situation because there was no way I was gonna leave my mum. I think so. I just, my, my yeah. Mom. Even at that age, I was just like, yeah. Your older siblings yes. were from, your three older siblings were from a different mum. Correct, yeah. So did, why weren't they living with their mums? Um, so if I'm correct, they were born in Uganda. Okay. Yeah, so um, they came and lived in London. Right. With my dad. I see. Um, and that all dad, their mums were back in. Yeah, but my dad was very big on like his kids. Like he, I mean, even us going was like a big thing. Like that's right. one thing with him. Like he was like, he didn't want his kids away from him. Yeah. Um. So it, I don't even know it was an option for them. Like, yeah. In that sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So they were at the house, and he was no longer with um their mother. So um yeah, they came and lived. Oh, they all had the same mum. Sorry, I'm confusing you. Yeah. You, everyone. you know what? Do you know what they don't? <laughs> they actually don't. Oh, they don't. They yeah. They don't. They had 
Yeah, they had yeah three different mums. It was my dad really? was active. Yeah, he was. Wow, active. he was yeah, active. He was. Yeah, <laughs> that really was it. Yeah, three different, and then he came here with three of them, right. and then met my mum because he met my mum when he when he was already here with three of them. Okay. Well, he had two here, and then one came over extra, but he had had three already. Right, right. So your dad was originally from Uganda. From Uganda, yes. As so as my mum as well. Oh, really? Yeah. But they met in London. Ah, early twenties. So my mum was early twenties. She was like a fashion student. Mm. Um, and uh, I believe cool. my dad was studying engineering or something. Right. Sure. Was in, yeah. So tell me about your dad. Um. So what I remember, um, he was very much a working person. So he would always be working. Like, but he was my first introduction to like being an entrepreneur like he never had a job mm. so when I, from a young age I'd go to the garage with him and he literally I'd go with him in the morning to watch the, the to have a coffee in the calf horrible tea um <laughs> you know but he was like you know his first initial job was well company was a garage so he used to fix cars and for me as a kid it was like what was it it was freezing in the morning you know freezing mornings dirty floors and I just was not I was never really I was never in interested in what he was doing in that sense i never saw myself doing because i just think i i think i had ocd as a kid because right. i just used to look at the oily <laughs> floor and be like oh that's horrible yeah but um yeah he was very hard working and i mean i just over the years i watched him you know go from a small garage to build to get in a bigger one um mm. and then i watched him go from that to actually importing cars from japan so he would he actually flew to japan very early you know and then he would import cars that were like talking he import cars with fridges mm. and he'd bring them to the garage and he'd either sell them directly or he i think he, I, I mean like i said i was still young but i i just know that the, that he was importing cars in the end so yeah. his garage his last garage um was in streatham right next to the ice rink and it was a big it was like i remember it being like a big deal because you know he he would yeah um he was proud of it he took me there showed me it was like wow this is what i'm opening now and i remember seeing the where we where it was before and then seeing that and it was a big space to be mm. honest um but it was interesting because i used to my brothers my older brothers used to go to the garage and work in the mornings and then i remember watching them and thinking i'm not gonna do this <laughs> like really? it was one of the things i think in life you, like sometimes you know <laughs> what you are and what you're gonna do and it was almost yeah. like i could see the pecking order happening i was like i'm not gonna yeah work in a garage not like it i just it just wasn't i had no interest in it. it's like here today when you're talking about you know yeah. sound and stuff i have zero interest in like yeah you know yeah all that and, kind of stuff yeah 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 technical technical exactly yeah. and technical <laughs> oh and throw dirt on top of that and freezing cold and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i feel like we're quite yeah. similar actually yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was it was yeah but my memory of him was um yeah hard working man um hardly home because he was always working mm. very um, very disciplined in that sense as well. I think he was very, he was strict. So it was kind of like man of the house, like the the leader, like his word of his Bible mm. per se. Did he ever have another partner? Yeah. So, so one summer was strange because it was interesting because my, my sec, my primary school um, at the time was in Streatham. So it was still close to our old house, mm -hmm. but it was like a, a Christian primary school so it was like we had to wear like you know scouts outfits and stuff like that it was yeah. quite interesting but I remember that his number was an emergency so like every so often my mum would pull the card and just not pick me up so like if she didn't pick me up he'd have to pick me up because right. um, yeah he was the emergency number so every so often she'd pull that card and I remember one day um, I knew I knew it was happening I'm like okay so she hasn't come she's definitely pulling this card 
and then he came and then I think he informed me that he had met some a new woman um, and then we met her at the de- on the day of me going back um, so and how um, old were you at this point man I honestly number wise is so vague <laughs> I just, I'm going to be throwing numbers out here, but I can just say six. Okay, six, so quite maybe, young. Yeah, six or seven. And why would your mum not have turned up? Because I think it was her way of getting him involved. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he was involved, but I think at the same time, it, it like, it was never from a place of not doing it. It was, it was di- that, like, it was an obvious, like, my mum was the kind of person to, like, buy me good trainers and then when I'm going to his take the good trainers where give me bad ones and send me to his for the summer so that he buys new ones so (laughs) she's very much like that that that, that gives you a bit of an idea of her so um so for me I think at that time um it was just important for me to I think she just wanted us to because it was it would be me and Stephanie my younger sister my younger sister right so if if my mom did pick us up we both went to the same school so she'd come with me Uh um so I think it was more that. Um, and were you aware that she was doing that? That, that yeah, was one I of was, her. That was I a tactic. Was, I was. I was yeah. Yeah, I was because it was like my mom spoke to me every day. I, I, I just knew it was. Yeah. And how did that make you feel? Do you remember that, what what kind of did that bring an energy to your relationship with your dad that your mom was going so far to be like? Mm. See, my dad kind of like I think it's like a it's like a catch really too because I think. To some, to some extent, he'd pick me up like it was part of his plan. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, because yeah. I like, it was part hey. of it. Like, yeah. Like, it was, <laughs> so he never, like, put the energy of, oh, this should just happen last minute. It was always, like, just come and just get us and then yeah. prophesize about, like, us moving with him one of these days. Yeah. Like, he'd, we'd always have that conversation. So he'd always say, I can't always. wait for you to move yeah, in. Yeah, always. Really? Always. Interesting. Like, yeah, he'd be like, I'm getting a car. And I was always at the back of the, my mind, like, no, nah, I don't think I'd leave one in my, my mind. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it did. It's weird. It did it bring energy. I don't think it brought. Energy. I think at that age I was just going with the flow. I really was. I was you just do, kind don't of just you? Going with it. Like, yeah. Um, I was a bit irritated about maybe like waiting a bit longer at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think it was like because I wasn't rushing back to anything per se. Yeah. At home. I was just gonna go home, and I think it just it kind of added a bit more of an experience of the day. Mm. And it would normally be in the summer, so it wouldn't be like it would be bright still, and we'd go and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So. Your dad came over when he was early 20s, late early 20s? 20s, early 20s. Mm-hmm. And then he, was he quite self-made? So, no, he was just very ambitious. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because um, he was just a hardworking guy and very like ambitious. And he was determined to, 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 to like make something of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he definitely came here because just from the stories I've heard, like he came here with pretty much nothing. Yeah. Um, so he know, was quite self-made. Yeah. 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 And that, it's from that sense, yeah, he he everything he did create was for himself. Mm. But in the same breath, I think, like even looking at the and it's incredible because I went to Uganda last year mm-hmm. for the first time in a long time, and seeing the village that he came from, it besides it being a village just how it's not even it's almost like me the way i can describe it is like someone from and i'm just gonna say an area like scunville scumful mm-hmm. or somewhere like desolate <laughs> where like why would you end up in new york city yeah yeah it's yeah. like do you even know how to get to london personally mm-hmm. like london would be for someone in that area like a big deal moving mm-hmm. so to see where he came from village wise to even having the ambition to go to Kampala which is the city to then seeing that ambition to go from the city to because I believe he was somewhere else before um he came here and I can't remember it was like somewhere in Europe 
Um, and then he came over. Yeah, I know what you mean. Even to have like that vision. Yeah. And like, I don't know and, where that came from. Yeah, and to know that it's even possible. Correct. Is, yeah, that's is that's what amazing. blows my mind. Comple- yeah, like completely. Because so even when I when I go to Uganda to the because we have a burial site, right? Mm. And that's where even I go. I believe um, when I pass, even though I was born in London, because mm-hmm. my my dad's there, my grandfather's there, my uncles are there, my great great grandfather's there. So that's the area. It's called Sycamore okay. Village, and there is no path there. So path. you have to have somebody that knows the way there. That's how that's how off the grid it is. Yeah, because so, that's how rural. Yeah, so when we when when I go, I have to have like a relative that knows the way there. Yeah. Um, my bro- older brother knows the route there. Um, but other than that, if, I can't go there with an Uber or with a driver. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> so it's <laughs> no that, Uber yeah, allowed. <laughs> so it blows my mind that they they even thought of like the big city. The big city. Yeah. Let's talk about how your dad died. Yeah. So how old were you and what happened? Well, I've come to learn, like, because I told myself <laughs> again, another number. But yeah. I, I was eight. Yeah. Um, I learned this because I went to the actual gravestone until the year. Um, and it was... It was yeah, because on the phone, you weren't sure. Yeah, because I was like, um, I told myself it was 12. Maybe that's because that's, that's when I had kind of like, I don't know that... There must be a reason behind it. And yeah. I, and I, and I do, well, we, I, we yeah. thought it was because, because I did that thing where I say seven and a half. And it was mm. seven and a half. Oh no, I say eight and it's seven and a half. Yeah. And I was, I always try and elongate the time yeah. I knew my dad. Mm-hmm. And then I remember you being like, oh, maybe that was a subconscious yeah, uh, like, thought. Because I'm always like that with myself. I like to review myself honestly. And it definitely was a defense of some form, mm. some sort. But um, for me, I um, it was really interesting because, so the, so the year before he passed away, I'd gone that summer. So I'd go every summer, as I said, like- To his house. His house. Yeah. And this one summer, he just wasn't well. Like, it was weird. Like, he was... I mean, this is, like, we would go... He's the kind of dad that you, we, would, we would go to a, a track field and go running around laps, and he'd be laughing because I'd give up, like, midway. But, <laughs> they, like, he was very very active and very, like, loved hanging with his kids. Mm. So this one summer, I went there, and he was, like... It was weird. He was... It was almost like he, I saw him going to work, but then coming back and staying in bed. It was weird. It was, like... Going to work bed. and then coming back. And going to bed. And going to bed. Yeah. And then some days he'd stay in bed and then some days he'd make up. It's almost like he was gay, getting up and then just going to work. But then like his uh, partner who was with at the time, um, she was like changing his diet. So he was like going from like past, like he was eating to like eating um, noodles with no flavor in it. Because anything he had with flavor was making him ill. So then I think, I mean, and this I can only tell. And even if I'm honest, there's still gaps in everything now. Um, it's not like yeah because you're so young uh, yeah so it's not like uh, I have the full and I was young so eight no one's really telling you much but this is just my observation but then um he yeah his diet was changing he was eating plain noodles every day it was just weird and then um I remember like I because and and I'm so interesting because I I said it to somebody yesterday a friend of mine when he was ill I reacted to it in a way where it was like I'm gonna separate myself and not go because I remember going upstairs and seeing him in bed and then after that, I just wouldn't go upstairs because that's where he was almost most of the time. So I'd go in the garden. I'd, I'd just do anything to avoid going up to see him. Really? Um, yeah. And then he called me up one day. He was like, why are you not coming to say like, good morning, good night? It was kind of, it was kind of annoyed. Um, mm. And then I remember that that's one memory I have of, of me doing that. And Because I, I remember going like to church or something that day morning and not going and I, and I thought this is like, he's, it's going to be obvious. Because at first you could get away with it like one or two days, but then I think he, he's going to realise. Mm. So then... Remember that happened. Um, Why do you think you were avoiding seeing him? 
that's yeah that's so i think i do and it plays out generally genuinely in my life even today where like when there's something going on that i can't control per se mm. i kind because i didn't i won't say that at that time i knew the extent of how ill he was mm-hmm. i just knew he was ill i wouldn't i didn't know it was death death de- like deadly in that sense i just knew he was ill um and i just didn't know how to react to it and i think i even do that now when i don't have to react to something i just dismiss it mm-hmm. right um and then that dismissal can come across offensive to someone because they might be like, oh, like, why are you... He doesn't care. Yeah, or... he doesn't care. But I just don't know how to deal with the emotion of what it is. Mm. And I mm. think... I Go on, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, where do you think that's come from? That, I don't know. That... Do th- yeah, maybe, I don't know. I I mean, I'm yeah. psycho. Because like, but... I messaged my friend yesterday about it. Like, really? I was like, wow, like... Because he's going through something. And I was like, I was reviewed myself. And I was like, the way I've been this year is like, I've just dismissed you because I don't know how to... Maybe I'm scared. Mm. Maybe it's fear. So I don't know how to address it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the same time, it's like, I don't want it to affect me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what it comes from a selfish place. Yeah. Like I like to maybe have a positive cycle in my head. Because I'll be honest, growing up, I had like, like my memories of childhood are just, are just good. Like I never, mm. I was like Michael Jackson all day. <laughs> I was like, I was literally this, if I'm honest, like really, really groomed and looked after. So yeah. I don't know. I think that's my first element. If that is actually my first element of adversity, I didn't get hit. I didn't, um, not, yeah. I just, so I was like my mum's boy and everything centered around. I could cry and everyone would move. So it was, for me, yeah. I, I wanted to get back to that maybe, I think. So I'm, and I think that still plays out now. So when it's not perfect, I want it to get, I'd rather that, that record play. The second it's like a bad record on the left, I just kind of yeah steer away. So I think that, looking at it from that point i think that might have been it just like that affecting my perfect view of what the what, what was happening in life yeah so he called um what's the word he yeah, called so you out on not coming to see him correct yeah and then did you not actually go back to see him after church because i remember you no, saying so that was the same day oh, okay. so we had gone to church on sunday morning because that was he was always big on that sunday go to church mm-hmm. went to church and then i think i had just like maybe just ate food and gone to the garden or something i just like yeah and just avoid 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 yeah just avoid exactly and then he sent even my sister to get me or somebody came to get me and i went up and like he Mm. he was not really happy about that and what did he look like do you remember he was just in bed he just constantly looked like he was asleep he didn't he didn't it's weird he didn't look ill but the whole thing didn't make sense because he's an active guy yeah yeah. You know, so it, it wasn't like you walked in there and he was like, oh, but he was just in sleeping. So it's like, I don't know how to deal with a sleeping man yeah. that's always active and always like doing things. And then, so that, ch- but that changes an eight year old as much as, yes, you could have definitely wanted to sort of keep preserved this cushy life that you were currently involved in. But also at the same time as an eight year old, it is also a coping mechanism Correct, yeah. of not wanting to have it's it's a fear of this pillar of strength in your life yeah one of your your parents are your pillars of strength and when one of them is crumbling it's like your world is crumbling as well and so there is that kind of wanting to of course preserve but equally just not wanting to see that pillar correct yeah crumble weak yeah weak but i didn't know death i'm i'll be be honest with you yeah i I, I could i i I know that i didn't link it to death i i linked it to like not being well it was strange, but I didn't link it to death. Yeah. Um, and so your dad then died. How how long was he ill for? Like a year. 
Okay, so quite a long time. But I only did the summer holiday. Okay. So after six weeks, I'd gone. Um, and I was really close to my sister, Winnie, at the time. So I think I was spending more of my time with her to compensate not being around my dad. But at some point in the year, my mum was like, we got to go to hospital. Your dad's in hospital. And it was a, it was interesting once again. And this is another sign. So this time I see him and he's wired up. Like he just looks different. He looks like a ghost person. Not ghost, but he's just wired up. Wires all over. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, wires all over. And... Yeah, and then I remember, like, I think somebody was in the room, but I went in and he was conscious. He was not wasn't not conscious, but he just this time just had wires around him. And then he was just like, "Hey, how you doing? Did I'm good?" Still said some sort of, some sort of a joke. And I remember leaving, and he was like, and I didn't. I remember I think my sister gave him a hug, and I didn't give him a hug. I remember thinking to myself, "Damn, there's so many wires. Like, I'm not gonna if I give him a hug, like, one of the wires. I just kept envisioning wires pulling out of his skin. I don't know why. Yeah, no. But I then I remember mean. the same split second thinking I should have given him a hug. Yeah. As I left, as I walked away. Right. So I always remember, I always remember that thought. And then the truth of the matter is, is we, uh, we went downstairs was, and it's crazy because I remember the exact point. And this is why I know it's crazy because memory is crazy. But I remember the exact point when we was at a zebra crossing and my mom said to me, you know, he's going to die. Like she just said it like that. And I was like, oh, and I was like, and I think I just was trying to be strong. I was like, yeah, I guess so. And we just, and then after that, we went on the bus and went home and then never spoke about it again. And then like, I don't know how long later, maybe a week or something later, like he died of ulcers and just, yeah, he just went down. And that, that was to me like, yeah, he, yeah. The way it was delivered was almost like, yeah. Was, yeah. As in like, like this, is, this yeah. was, this was always going to happen. Like as if the inevitable happened. Is that what you mean? No, it's just that, like, I don't know. I don't know what death is at that age. So even if you explain it to me, I'm just going to say yes. What can I say? Yeah. You know, if, if when she said he, she didn't, I don't think she knows. How, I don't think she knows how to explain it. You know, to mm. her son, she just kind of thought if I just say it, because it was literally like we went downstairs, left the hospital, walked across the road, and it was almost like a rhetorical question, like you know he's going to die, right? It wasn't like a by the way, your dad is good. It was like, you know, you should have said it. And yeah. it was like, yeah. I was, all I could say was, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know, but I just said yes. I was like, yes. Yeah. And then I didn't feel the impact until the day I got called in. And then they was all acting funny. And I was just like, well, I guess he's dead, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I said it in my book. I wrote, I wrote this section in my book. It's about like, it, once again, like I was playing out this day and um, we're playing, it was my friend's birthday. It was a really good day. It was one of his birthdays. <laughs> my best friend's birthday at the time. And we were yeah. playing like, I don't know, hide and seek or chase. I don't know what we we're playing. And um, he, and then my mum called me in. But this time my uncle was there. And I remember like them being like, we want to talk to you. And I'm like, fine. And they're like, do you want to do you want a drink? I'm like, I'm fine. And then he's like really emphasizing, do you want a drink? I'm like, I don't want to have a drink. <laughs> like I'm not, I don't, don't want a drink. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember mum looking at me. They looked at me all weird. And it was just like, I never, that uncle never really comes to my house like that, if that makes sense. So yeah. I kind of put, I'm put two and two together. And I was like, and in my head before going up there, I was like, I really want to go back home. I'm like, why am, why am I being called in during this like moment of like fun? Yeah. And then I was like, and I was like, yeah. And then I was like, I just said it to him. I said, what, my dad's died, hasn't he? And she was like, they're like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool, it's fine. And I was just kind of go back out and play. So I literally went back out and played. Wow, and yeah. then my first interaction of that was like, I think I went back out. It was so weird because I went back out and I was like, to my friends, I, was, I said, yeah, my, my dad's passed away. 
And I was like, oh, and I was the first time I didn't know because I hadn't processed it. So everyone was like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, no, 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 I'm playing, I'm playing. So I actually took it back. I was like, no, he didn't die. He, he didn't die. <laughs> yeah. So I just, because I, I didn't know how to do the reaction. Yeah. And then I think I did it again. And I was, and I was like, and I, and I, and I, don't, I don't know even know if I, I don't know if that day I confused them, if they thought I was lying, if I wasn't lying. Yeah. But their reaction, I was just like, and then once again, it was the same thing of like keeping the day perfect. So I was yes. like, let me not let this get in the way of this day. And I think, yeah, after that, I kind of never really liked the concept. And I think that ne- that grew out of, that didn't grow out of me for another 10 years. Like not not liking other people reacting to it and making yes. me feel like there's a disadvantage that I have. When before this moment, everyone's like playing with me normal. And then after this moment and I say it, you're looking at me like I have a disadvantage and I, don't, and I wasn't prepared to feel disadvantaged, if that makes sense. Yeah, so completely. I would rather just, and I, and I, and I, guarded that for years like I just I don't like and now I think now I kind of have a bit more self-esteem with myself so I'm a bit more like okay you can't really say it's a disadvantage because I still managed to do a lot of things but I still think it was been it's been a process in that sense like it's still a process yeah and so oh my gosh there's so much I want to pick up on but with when you say now it's not a disadvantage because you've still done a lot of things mm-hmm. Do you think some of those things that you've done could have been um, as a consequence to the fact that your dad died? Yeah, I was being occupied. So I was, de- I was I've always been occupied. Since that um, day? Since that day, yeah. Do and you I, remember that change? So I remember like, I'm sorry, I need to be stable. I remember like um, the, f- I remember like after obviously the funeral happens and all of that. And then I remember they tried to take me to like a therapist, me and my sister. And it was just so long. They were just bringing pictures out and asking me what colors were. And I was just like, what the heck? Cause that's what I always felt like. I always felt ahead of the emotion because I never had time to process it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like nothing was ever catching up. Never, nothing was ever in line with my processing. So by the time they take me to like a therapist, I think, they, I think it's just part of the things you just so that your therapist about the, the school suggests it so I went to this therapist and they're telling me to pick colours and pick numbers and I'm like is this really about like and this is at eight I'm just like is this really about this like this is stupid because you're, you're not mm. I like when things get to the point and maybe that, if I'm honest maybe that's because my mum was straight to the point when it first happened and I think in my yeah. whole life I've always just wanted it to the point yeah so that pattern has always played out like I can't handle if someone calls me today and goes I've got some news for you and they leave it I can't handle that that's like yeah. a struggle with that so when I was processing the information all the time even with the therapist and and they were like oh you know pick a color pick a blouse like if this is going to be the solution like i can't do this because it's just too long and it's boring and it's mm. not talking we're not even talking about how i feel we're just looking at pictures and whatever numbers so that happened and then um and then i think pardon, what was the question i was asking if because you said you didn't want people to see you as disadvantaged yeah. because your dad died yeah. and I actually can totally relate to that to some extent because what I hated when it's when the death of your whoever it is um for me it was my dad as well and also the car accident that we were in suddenly mm. became like an identity that I had to yeah. hold it was like oh this is inherited oh her dad died yeah. or she was in a car accident or you know that obviously not every social interaction this happened but it then puts this identity on you Correct, and yeah. you're suddenly a victim. Yeah. And for me, at least, that that made me feel like a victim to some extent for quite a few years subconsciously. Yeah. And that didn't he- help me at all. Um, 
And so I guess you were probably aware of it very quickly that you didn't want this to define you. Correct, yeah. Um, whereas I didn't have that awareness. I think for me, it did define me for a bit because, well, it was a different kind of death. I was also involved in the accident. But what's interesting is that your eight-year-old psyche telling you, you don't want this to change anything. Yeah. You want to stay... Um, the same yeah as much as you can mm -hmm. and being aware that engaging in it was going to be a negative sort of or at least a painful experience so i've got two questions the first is speaking of how this as you say the disadvantage ended up not affecting what you then achieved in life and wondering if you think it actually somewhat enhanced it mm -hmm. because of the, the fact that your dad was Firstly, a really hard worker. And secondly, there was the absence there. So looking at that kind of correlation between success and fatherlessness. Mm. And then also my other question, and I should probably ask them differently at different times, but have you mourned for him now? Because as your eight-year-old self, you seem to just be on sort of autopilot where yeah. you were just surviving in this mode of keeping things light. Mm -hmm have you now mourned for him? And I wonder by reading parts of your book, the time where you felt you lost your confidence and, you know, even dropping out of college, I don't know the backstory to that, but did 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 that grief catch up with you? So I, which one should yeah, we go first? I'll go with the first one and the second one. Mm. So the first one, uh, I'm blacking out because I'm thinking while I was. Yeah. So the first one was about... Um, your success and and that dis, that idea so, okay, that you were disadvantaged. Yeah. So, so the advantage for me was, and it happened the day I turned eight. And just to kind of add to the point you mentioned about your experience where you didn't know it was going to brand you. When you're playing with kids who are having a great time and you tell them information about death and they not only want to console you, but stop the game. You, you learn straight away that it's a brand. Like that's, mm. that was for me, it was instantly. Cause it wasn't like, oh, it was like, these guys will want to stop playing this and they were all happy before. And now they all want to just talk about it and all focus on me. Mm. So I, I, that's probably why I've, I realized it, it could be a brand cause it was so reactive. Um, the second thing that happened to me at the age of eight, because like you, you I'm sure you understand there's no definition to death. You, you have to just, yeah. it's almost like a tap that runs. You have to find a plug in your brain somewhere because there's no reason it doesn't, you don't know where the person goes, why they go. You can read every book in the, you can read every book. You can try to rationalize it. One day you'll have an emotion. The next day you'll have another one. So you have to conclude it some part in your head. Um, so for me, what happened at that age is I definitely, I lost a, na a naivety that I know that a lot of people up till today still have. And that's like the guarantee of life. Because once you, once you realize that, there's only so much you can take serious. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only so, no matter how much they scare you about the current life, you know that it's like, I can be qualified and die. I can be rich and die. I can be, I know it happens. Like it's not an idea. So I think what it did for me in business per se is it removed a, an element of of fear in the concept that I'll be honest, I always felt because I dealt with death so early that I die very young. So I live and have lived for a long time. I, I mean, I struggled with like, I could never plan a holiday a year ahead. I could mm. never plan like, um, I'm horrible at planning the future because I just never learned the comfortability of it. And I, I strongly believed for a long time I'd pass away at like 21 or 20. 
Um, and then I got older and I'm like, well, I'm still here. So I always worked as if I was gonna die. So I thought, let me do whatever it mm. is I'm gonna do. So I was more fearless. Can I ask a question? Is that because you, even to this day, aren't 100% sure why your dad died? As in like, what caused his death? You know it's ulcers, mm. but then what was that from? And maybe this fit, this kind of like, anything could happen, this kind of unresolved idea of the actual death of your father could have fed into you then being like, right, well, I could die. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's the point. I, yeah. I was like, but I think even with the, if I'm honest, even with the understanding, I know it happens. Mm. That's like the defining thing is I, I know that death happens. Like I've known that while I was in primary school and someone's moaning about the ice cream in the slide. I've known that while I'm in um, secondary school and people are focused on, you know, being cool and trainers. I've known it in between. I've, in fact, I've had to pretend to be current knowing this, you know, like I've pretended to care about what's happening on TV or what's happening. Really, I know that this is happening. It's echoing in my head today, tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, yesterday, it's just still happening every day. I'm very like, it's, it's probably the on the forefront of my, it's one, one of the forefront thoughts that come in my mind. Really? It's like my existence. Yeah, interesting. Know? So, Do you fear death? I don't fear it. You don't fear it? No. That's why I do that. If I'm re- really honest, that's why I would do a book and I'll do an app and I'll do all these things because I generally live like I'm leaving. In fact, I see my whole life as like a piece of art now because it's, I mean, it's so eerie to say it, but it's like I've left trails of all of my messages, whether it's in a book, whether it's in content, whether it's in interviews. Mm-hmm. I've always sh- shared and left a, a watermark of my, um, uh, of my philosophy and my theories. Yeah, and that's always been. I, I, I would be more. I'm more inclined to commit into leaving messages than I am having more while I'm here. If that makes sense. So, what do you mean by me leaving messages? Leaving messages in the form of content, perspective, um, ideas. Because I, I definitely feel like my my journey has given me and exposed me to a lot of emotions. You know, that's the truth. And I realized that in business, no matter, I mean, I, I can read every business book in the world. I can, you know, learn every, you know, mathematical skill and, you know, tax evadance, whatever, I'm not avoidance, but tax, like, benefit, like, whatever, 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 Uh-oh. not evadance, <laughs> cool but any, whatever, whatever tax, like, um, loophole there are or whatever yeah, it yeah. is. But at the end of the day, ultimately, it's like, you, you're only going to be remembered for what you did and what you left. And sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm doing something not even for the for the person, for my benefit today, but for someone else tomorrow. So that gives me comfort. I, I find comfort in that. This leads me on to something I wanted to ask you about. You seem to really want to help people find their power. Mm-hmm. So whatever that power is, through the way that you found your power and through the way that you found your skills. And my interest is... Most people who want to help other people tend to have a reason. Mm. Where do you think, what is, do you think you have a reason? And if you do, what is it? I think my reason is almost like, I feel like I'm the person that's jumped into the water before everyone and knows what it's like when you're in the pool. And I see a lot of people that are about to jump in the pool or that want to jump in the pool. And even if they know how to swim, their concern is about how they'll feel while they're in it. And I feel like my analogy to that in my life is that um, my experience in being in the pool um, and surviving emotionally is an experience that a number of people will 
will go through and I don't see myself as like you know having an advantage on anybody I feel like I've just had experience in emotionally surviving things like death emotionally surviving things like you know doubt and 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 having you know you said to me like that another thing about losing my dad is knowing that I only I'm the only one that has my back you know I don't have like a fund that's going to financially support me so I've always lived with the reality of anything that I want to happen coming off the back of my work mm-hmm. um so that so that that muscle has grown to the point that I don't fear whether I can you know financially support myself I in fact um welcome you know the uncertainties and I think that that's a neutral skill that anyone should want to inherit the ability to not fear mm. their capability fear is what it. yeah because fear is really what holds everyone back exactly really right yeah, yeah. And that's that's where my less that's where that's where my 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 mission mm. because I, I i i saw what i think i saw what i've, I've experienced as a disadvantage for so long and held it in mm. and then i realized wow like everybody experiences disadvantages mm. and there's a network of people that deal with death there's a network of the people that deal with fear a network of people that deal with anxiety so i'm not trying to help somebody that's fine with them with where they're at because they're fine with where they're at but for those that aren't I'm trying to encourage them to, to, yeah. And do you think that's also because at one point in your life, you weren't okay with where you were at? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Mm. Can you tell me a bit about that time? Um, when I was, I think when I was definitely when I, when I didn't, when I didn't go to university. Yeah. So by college, strange. is that university that you no, dropped out? I did college. I did sixth form and then everyone went to university. Yeah. And, um, I had read a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad, which kind of suggested a theory that I had never considered, which was like being self-employed and going into property. And I went into working for one after like getting rejected by everyone and finding this job in the recession. But really and truly, I did it at a time where there was no example. There wasn't Instagram. Mm. Facebook was there. The face of business was not a young person in any capacity. It was just Alan Sugar's Richard Branson's. So it was always a very senior looking adventure. And for me, I remember taking this chance and and I did it for me, if I'm honest, because I genuinely felt like, what am I going to do? If I'm the only one that looks out for me and in university, I'm being told I'm I'm a D or an E, which equivalent to being stupid. Mm -hmm. How would I emotionally survive carrying on knowing that this this is something I struggle in, but knowing that I'm the only one that's gonna have my back. Mm -hmm. So if anything, I just jumped for me, it wasn't about even being cool. I didn't know. I just, I knew that if I, I, I knew that I cannot deal with another D or E. I couldn't emotionally. It'd, mm. prob- it'd break me. Yeah. So I just had to escape that form of information or that form of uh, doubt that was what, which was being, you know, which I feel like could not, it was beyond like getting better results would affect me. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, that was a, period which I just followed me and what I needed to do for me mm-hmm. and recreated and discovered that entrusting in me but also putting the work behind it and staying optimistic and feeding my brain even though I was doing something completely different to my friends who were in Portsmouth and Bath and everyone's like you know discovering the party scenes and discovering different groups and new relationships I was literally like I know I felt a bit of like wow that's different but, but I'm not able to communicate that way but I know that I did it. I, there was always an assurance like, wow, at least I'm not going to have that, like f- that pain of like feeling like, I, I, like I failed because mm-hmm. that was heavy. And question, was some of that pain um, related to 
how you think your dad would have seen you. The irony of it is he'd be angry. That's what I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I mean. Yeah, he'd be livid. You knew, so I knew knowing exactly, his yeah, his yeah. voice, being he'd like, be, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, he'd be, and that's, that, that, you can put it that way, but that's 100% true. Like, he would be fuming, you know, like, I said it, it to my sister the other day, I remember, like, one of the days I was going to his garage and there was um, a cousin of mine with his un- with my uncle and they came down and he had like a knack ticket at the back of his head. And I was like, wow, this is going to be my chance to kind of tell my dad that that's what I want to get. And I remember, literally, this is an emotion I remember today. Like they left, they had, they had been speaking, they left. And I remember, I, could, I didn't even say it to him. He turned, like, I was about to be like, uh, and he turned to me and he, he said to me, look how silly his knack ticket at the back of his head is. <laughs> and I remember thinking like... <laughs> I remember having to go, yeah, it's true. So, like, he was very overpowering. So, a lot of the things that I've done would never be, it, it just wouldn't happen. There's no way, of, there's not even a, really? a doubt. Yeah. What I do would, you mean? As in, you don't think... Dropping out of school, not possible. Would not have happened. No. Nope. Um, Interesting. Starting a business would not have happened. So, a lot of what I was doing was not just going against the grain of society. Even though he did the same thing. Like, he didn't have a conventional, he mm. did study engineering, but as in, like, he was an entrepreneur. Yeah which is ultimately you were as well, Correct. or you but, are. But I think he would see it as he did it for us to be able to go to school and take the, the, take the advantage of, of the system. Right. In the sense of like going into school and, you know, getting a house and maybe doing, I think because- Not the, as like a yeah, creative entrepreneurial ship. Right. We don't have to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he, he he's, and, and like I said, he was very much the patriarch of the house. He's not like, he it was never like a, son and dad were friends kind of it was i mean it was love but it wasn't like it's like i am the dad so yeah. it was never and i was very aware mm. um, there was love for sure but yeah he's way older highway so two more things now we have to finish which is so the last one about the morning oh yes please yeah the um, grief the, the morning grief, grief bit. yes yeah. i didn't grieve over it because the last time i had gone to uganda uh was when i was 12 and that's when mm. I went and I saw the gravestone, um, which we was at. Um, and it was all a big blur for me. And I didn't go back to Uganda for like, until I was told two years ago. And strangely, it's because of an ex-girlfriend that I was with, mm-hmm. who I have to give a credit to because <laughs> for, for some reason. Annoyingly. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, it was, it was, it was a blessing in that sense because, you know, she... Um, for some reason, that's why I believe like life has its way of doing mm. things. But she was very um, adamant on me going to Uganda, and in fact, she she went, she went as far as saying go and say hello to your dad. And I mean, that to me was always spooky because I never spoke to anyone about death or even wow. my dad. So mm-hmm. she never really even had a conversation with me. She just almost let's just said it out of like she knew he died. And that's like you knowing I've died, and I say go and speak to your dad, mm. and say hello, and she'd say it every other two months or something, whatever. And then the irony of it is that like. She said it, it went in my brain and then I we broke up. Yeah. Um and literally like a week later I booked a trip to Uganda. Wow. And um and then I went there and then I remember like because I you have all these theories of someone, you know, the person that died, you've created a whole person really. Yeah. Um and even to some extent when someone dies, you really believe that it's you I mean, I got to the point I think even she said it to me, she was like you're someone's son. And I hadn't, I forgot that. Like, I know I'm my mum's son, but I forgot that someone was before me. Mm. So then going back there, I had created this version of like me building me and me being me and it's all about like me. 
and then getting back there and then seeing my uncle and then him telling me stories about my dad and how he had like attempted to come to London like three times and got rejected and then came back and still got there and then realizing like and then I went back to I went to the grave and then that was like surreal because it was like wow like I've come back here like 12 like 17 years it was a long time later 17 years I think I think seven or 10 years later whatever yeah 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 numbers is bad <laughs> but I went there and um I remember going to the grave and then thinking, why the fuck has it been this long? Like, I remember that, that feeling, like, why have I taken this long? Like, because I had perpetuated the thought. Um, and then just from being there and just hearing stories, I was like, wow, like, it remi reminded me that so many things have happened in order for me to be me today. Mm. But I strongly believed it was all because of me, you know, because I'm like, yeah, I'm the one that read this book and I'm the one that started this business. And so it's very, I'm, 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 maybe for my own ego to feel confident, strong. Mm -hmm. And then I remember coming back and then I still hadn't processed it. And then I remember coming back and then sitting at my house actually. And then I was looking like, I, cause it was all so fast, all so quick. And then I, I didn't realize what, and the strangest thing is, well, this is another thing that I did, which was very liberating. I, I social media, my, my trip, my going to the grave. Yeah. So I've gone from never talking about this yeah. to like, you know what? I'm just gonna, everyone know. <laughs> You know what I mean? So oh I like God, storied the, 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 the grave trip. Yeah. And it was very, it was, because I was fearful. So it was very, it was very healing. Yeah. And then when I did that, I came, I remember I'd done that. I took some videos, came back. And then I just, when I got back, I think I sat down maybe two days in and realized, looked all the film and just, I was just emotional. And I just like had an emotion. I just had an emotional moment where I was like, you know what? I, I, I admitted I'd been running. Wow. Yeah. And what did that myself. feel like? Uh, it was a lot of weight off my shoulder. Yeah, I bet. Because I was honest with it. It was like, I, I genuinely have been running from this emotion, this Grief. situation, you know, this, my dad, I was running from everything. So yeah, I was occupied, I was doing things, but I was running from something that I hadn't really addressed. Yeah. And that to me was like, yeah. And it was just so, it was like I said, it was, yeah, it was so, so big up to you, Flora. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was just so like, um, yeah, yeah. And it was just the way it happened. And then I came back and did a video about it and vlogged it. And it was just, it was just a very like. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I just owned it after that. And I just, I, I, and to carry something like that for so long, kind of by yourself, mm. where I hadn't shared it with people. I'd only wanted to give people one answer. Um, I didn't. I didn't want to ever come across weak and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know the word vulnerable. I knew the word weak. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. I saw vulnerability as like, wow. And then there was something about me that just felt like, yeah, like that, that helped me. And doing that, and I went back, what, what happened? I went, I went again last year and I went again this year. So I went like Amazing. three times after that. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, once again, reconnecting with other family members and just hearing more stories and learning more and just, and getting there and feeling so up home in that sense I'm, i was born in london but to go to the grave burial south and just feel comfortable is like mm. lets you know that there is and that's why it, it reinforces more and more because i really believe in like there being no such thing as coincidence and everything connecting mm -hmm. and it's just about the signs and you know like my ex-girlfriend came in and just gave me that sign and that was what her job was to maybe to do just mm -hmm. to do that mm -hmm. you know sometimes you want it to be what we want it to be you might want it to be love you want it to be more but really it's just for that and it's the respect of realizing that 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 sign was what she was there to do yeah which really like pushed me over and, and yeah like since then i've just 
What have I done since then? Since then I've just, yeah, I mean, and it's still a journey. It's not over. It's not like I'm, the full stop is definitely, I think there's still more digging and, and, and time I need to put into it. But yeah. I definitely know that I was occupying myself for a long time. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that. That's such a common thing, especially with guys yeah. with and their dads. Yeah. It's that occupying. So I'm going to ask two things. Yep. First thing, this is quite difficult. For me. I've never thought about this, so I'm being selfish here. Three words that would summarize as much as you can what it's like growing up without a dad. Ooh. Ooh. I know. <laughs> oh, um, damn. Uh, it's like growing up without a dad. Words. Or without your dad? I would say real testing and spiritual. Mm. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? Yeah. It like makes you look for stuff. Yeah. Which isn't here. Yeah. But we can't explain. Exactly. And it's, yeah, death just does that. Lastly, I ask this to all my guests. If your dad was listening to this episode right now, somehow, what would you want to say to him? Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Leonard. It's been so much fun. Fun? Is that the right yeah, word? Um, it has been. <laughs> It's been a little session. I'm just yeah. It's been amazing. Managed to get some more of your time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to my episode with the amazing Leonard Sakionda. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've learned quite a lot. It was just amazing. I don't think I've yet had someone on who's dealt with their grief in such a way as Leonard has. And so, again, I just think it shows just how diverse we all are and also how incredibly complex we are as humans in how we deal with, for example, tragedy or trauma. So as ever, it was the most amazing conversation and I couldn't have enjoyed meeting him more than I did. He's such a gentle presence. And as you can probably tell from the podcast episode, he's very calm, very gentle. And he, yeah, he's a legend. So thanks so much, Leonard. You're great. If you've been affected at all by anything that's come up in the episode, I advise two places where you can visit. The first is Julia Samuel's website, www.juliasamuel.co.uk. The other place is www.untangle.life, which is for people experiencing grief. It connects you to a like-minded community and experts such as therapists, lawyers, financial coaches, and just helps you make loss a little bit less lonely and overwhelming. 
Love to thank Warren Borg at Wargie Productions for doing all the mastering and compressing and continuously answering all my inanely annoying questions about how on earth to do virtual podcasting. Egg Garland for doing all my graphic design and branding. Sophia Jennings for helping me seek guests and giving me such wonderful pieces of advice. And Julieta for providing Daddy Issues podcast season two music, which I am obsessed with. Lastly, I'd love to thank all of you for listening and also staying on this long to listen to the rest of the outro as without you, of course, there would be no podcast. So thank you so much and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day or night.